those will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Grace Welcome, Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here, and tonight we're going to be doing a study on the gene splicing technology that wants to alter our genome, our our Adamic genome, to change us into creatures that cannot receive the Holy Spirit and therefore will not be able to enter the kingdom. So if this isn't a dastardly conspiracy, I don't know what is. So I've been looking up several articles on the subject, and I'm going to start with the one by Dana Ashley, scientists, mad scientists, and the mark of the beast. Uh, here we go. I put the link in the chat room. And let me just double check, make sure everything is working here. Yeah, okay, the streamer is working. And uh, signal looks strong, so here we go. And let me just double check the uh, chat room real quick. Yes, okay, there it is. All right, so, and this has lots of pop-up ads. But anyway, it says here, CRISPR technology uses a virus to carry gene editing or some kind of substance. Uh, whether it's uh, living or mechanical, because silicon technology can simulate carbon-based technology these days, and they can do just about everything with CRISPR technology. Anyway, let me repeat this. CRISPR CRISPR is C-R-I-S-P-R, which is the utilization of graphene oxide to simulate, first of all, it makes carbon magnetic. Thus, they can attach all kinds of compounds to the graphene oxide, which they have never been able to do. We did a report on this a couple of years ago, and uh, that technology was developed in the late uh, 1990s, and the, the technology has gotten more and more sophisticated as time has gone on. So we're literally talking about the scientific ability to change our DNA and change us into chimeras, basically chimeras. So CRISPR technology uses a virus to carry gene editing to your DNA and edit who you are literally. And there's a couple of uh, links here on this site, which I will uh, access after I'm done reading through this. And this is posted July 17th, 2021 uh, by the author, and that should be Dana Ashley. Why did John the Revelator call it the Beast Mark? 
What is a beast? An animal, usually one that's dangerous or grotesque, right? Yeah, yeah Jews are grotesque and dangerous animals. A beast does not play well with humans or other animals. A beast is often deadly to mankind. No need to read this very long taxing article here is the synopsis at a glance. Warning, if you took the back scene, please don't read this article. Not sure what she means by the back scene. Oh, it should be vaccine. I think this article is transcribed mechanically from uh, an audio. So it really should say, warning, if you took the vaccine, please don't read this article. Because that's exactly what I'm referring to when I say mark. Yeah, the vaccine is a mark, absolutely for sure. Recipe for making man in Satan's image. How to turn a man into a 33.3% beast, making man in Satan's image. A small group of very smart, idiotic, or diabolical scientists of various specialties. One false prophet and, uh, well, a lot of false prophets. An oracle of Omaha bent on eugenics. One very powerful, very evil, and rich antichrist called the gates of hell. That's the exact word we've been using to describe Bill Gates. One cup of molecular mechanism of DNA replication. Yes, and they have figured out how to make DNA replicate itself with the, uh, with the so-called vaccine they're injecting into people. A pinch of cellular mitosis, four cups of viral vector, SARS, mRNA directives to the cell's nucleus, and inosine. Inosine is the golden key to give directions to cellular rebuild reroutes. Okay, inosine, that's I-N-O-S-I-N-E, not familiar with that word or what it means, so maybe we can find out as we read along. Aborted infant particular human tissue, three cups of cancer fast-growing with its cellular mitosis ability to recreate with fast replication at the atomic levels, hence necrosis. Add meiosis, cells divide and reproduce in two ways, mitosis and meiosis. Mitosis results in two identical daughter cells, whereas meiosis results in four sex cells. Below, we highlight the keys, differences, and similarities between the two types of cell division. Plus, five teaspoons of animal beast protein for the mRNA directives. Add one quantum computer solving in-depth scientific problems at light speed. One teaspoon of the steering of cell cycle regulation of DNA replication. Wielding the golden keys to the cell's nucleus. No editing or splicing needed unlike CRISPR tech. Okay, because I'm I'm pretty much aware that they have the ability to inject substances in our bodies that self-assemble and create an antenna array. And this antenna array 
accept signals from various sources such as 5G, and of course, the the Internet of Things will read your body accordingly. Okay, that's how it works. So and this is why they're pushing so hard for 5G, although I'm not how, sure how that's going uh, because the crashing economy worldwide has probably put the kibosh on the you know, f- rapid uh, deployment of 5G towers around the world, but certain cities have certainly got lots of those towers. Add mass numbers of apparently faithless, unsuspecting victims and witness cellular transmutation by genomic alchemy with replication and change in organism unto species transfiguration, or I would call it transhumanism. They are trying to change our DNA to conform with their view or vision of transhumanism. So, what percentage of adults do you think took it? I don't know about the numbers of children. Perhaps children are making the numbers fall to 50%. Well, the CDC has just issued a, a new set of regulations that children should be inoculated, although they have never been up to this point. Not sure when that takes effect, but children have never gotten COVID, so they don't need any so-called vaccine, right? Okay, does COVID-19 cause muscle necrosis, rhabdomyolysis is a serious syndrome due to a direct or, there's uh, something uh, missing here, rhabdomyolysis is characterized by muscle necrosis and the release of intracellular muscle constituents into the systemic circulation. A prompt diagnosis is a prerequisite for successful treatment and avoiding complications. Shedding viral vectors of SARS by the tainted mark is the least of our worries as those who refuse the mark surmise they shed. Okay. The remaking of mankind into the image of one beast or another. Science has mastered cancer growth and types at molecular levels. The beast science know both the cures and the causes, as I do to a point. The causes, anything man-made and toxic. The cures, in nature, herbs, roots, and plants, the stronger the better. Now, what does cancer have to do with the mark of the vaccine? What if you could command and control what type of fast-growing cancer grows? What if instead of growing a tumor, you grew an animal, (laughs) right? Yeah, an animal inside you. Perish the thought. But that's actually what they can do, at least many, many chimeras. A tiger mutation with controlled and directed intent to the cell, there will be rapid cellular mitosis coupled with replication of cells and genetic transmutation of the whole organism. Yeah, you could go absolutely insane from all of the horrible changes taking place in your body, but it appears that most people who have taken two or more shots don't survive very well. So if you're lucky, you have gotten... Uh, a placebo instead of the real deal injection. So, 
<laughs> Intercellular Transmutation by Genomic Alchemy, Witchcraft by Science. They have studied and experimented with atomic nuclei, the very dense central region of an atom cell nucleus for a very long time. Cells by pleomorphism to study them at different stages of growth, various shapes and sizes, and more importantly, cellular mitosis. Mitosis, a type of cell division that results in two cells, daughter cells, but the daughters by mutagenesis shall be quite different than the parent cells. So, well, well what species uh, is she talking about here? I think these are only the uh, lower species. However, they, if they can do it by mitosis, they can do it by meiosis as well. Muta, excuse me, mutagenesis. It's a process by which an organism deoxyribonucleic acids, DNA, change, resulting in a gene mutation. A mutation is a permanent and heritable change in genetic material, which can result in altered protein function and phenotypic changes. It usually results in death as well. And transmutation, a type of cell division and some cellular replication that also involves the mutation or changing of the cells after cell replication occurs. It's as if a man caught cancer, but instead of growing a tumor, he's growing rapidly into a beast. Yeah, I've seen that. (laughs) I've seen people changing into beasts right before my very eyes, okay? But, wow. Yes, all good to go. Thank you. (laughs) It's the beast transmutation process. They're, They're doing it to us, folks. They're doing it to us. And it's it's not resulting in in better in better humanoids. It's not resulting in better humanoids. It's either killing the humanoids or turning them to some kind of zombie apocalypse beast of some kind or other. All right, so let's continue. At a point before replication, the cell is changed, mutated by directive. The body will think it's fixing itself. Molecular biology knows well the DNA replication, a biological process of producing two identical, and I say two not-so-identical, replicas of DNA from one original DNA molecule. One, DNA replication occurs in all living organisms, acting as the most essential part for biological inheritance. And so goes the science. The body is now setting up nanocircuitry to become half saber-toothed tiger or mouse or pig and half human. Why these three beasts? It's just a guess, partly because two of them are listed in the Bible. See the script below? Know this, God does not plead with anybody ever. However, we think there might be something to this corrupt swine-mouse verse. Okay, well, yeah, they're trying to inject us with the DNA of various beasts. Swine and mice, just two possibilities here. Isaiah 61.6, or is it 61.16? Not sure here. For by fire and by his sword will Yahweh plead with all flesh, and the slain of Yahweh shall be (coughs) many, yes, the uh, Judgment Day, the Great Tribulation, is here, folks. And it started with the first injection 
of COVID technology into the first volunteer. I think that was actually a black lady in 2021. <coughs> Excuse me. Before the uh, arm twisting and incentivization began to get, and, you know, threatening people with the loss of their jobs and paychecks. <coughs> That's what, excuse me, I'm trying to wet my whistle here. <coughs> okay. Isaiah 66, 17. Now, of course, pleading, Yahweh pleading with all flesh is, is probably more like saying, well, he's going to make us sick. <laughs> so sick until we seek his cure. Isaiah sixty-six seventeen. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst of the garden, eating swine flesh, and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith Yahweh. Okay, very interesting. So, she is connecting that verse with the, well, swine flu, right? Mouse flu, bat flu, you name it. They have invented all kinds of ways to get the DNA of these various beasts into our bloodstream. Mixing the cancer with the animal protein for controlled mutation would be a separate process from the genome replications of the cells. And the rest of them are are DNA, I think is uh, it's a lot of typos here, DNA directives. But then a quantum computer could figure the right recipe out in no time on the how to do this. Key points. Molecular mechanism of DNA replication. DNA replication is semi-conservative. We'll hopefully find out what that means momentarily. Each strand in the double helix acts as a template for synthesis of a new complementary strand. New DNA is made by enzymes called DNA polymerases, which require a template and a primer starter, and synthesize DNA into the 5-foot to 3-foot direction. During DNA replication, one new strand, the leading strand, is made as a continuous piece. The other, the lagging strand, is made in small pieces. DNA replication requires other enzymes in addition to DNA polymerases, including DNA primase, DNA helicase, DNA ligase, and topoisomerase. What are the spiritual implications? For now, all I know is those who took the shot are beginning to show stark signs of dead men's spirits with a twist of vile perversity shining out of their bodies. Right, and, and the shakes and uh, various symptoms that they've never had before they took the shot. Their human identity spirit of life is gone, gone. Something went wrong, and they became as dead men do when their life force leaves their body. Well, yeah, I can imagine that the soul of an Adamite with, uh, with trying to inhabit this body that's now deformed genetically, 
that soul might not want to stay there much longer. Of course, a demon spirit might want to inhabit such a body. Maybe that's the ultimate objective, all right? A demon spirit. We have felt it in hospitals before when a man is old and dying, sometimes days before a very miserable death. The life identity spirit leaves the body before the body dies. We have no experience with beast spirits, but you can be sure they won't use dog <laughs> dog DNA because dogs seem to have a loving, caring, or protective <laughs> human-type spirit in them. You have felt it, haven't you? Or seen it in their eyes? Well, certain dogs, right? I mean, the ones that have really been, uh, how should I put this, domiciled? For a long, for several generations, and uh, the dog is man's best friend, as they used to say. But not if they get the uh, re- rewritten, uh, horrible DNA uh, injected in their bodies as well. So, wow, folks, this is uh, uh, a very. Uh, although she, she's uh, speaking pretty much tongue in cheek, uh, nevertheless, uh, her analysis is right on the money. So gene splicing and the zombie apocalypse. So this is another uh, website. And this is living words, period, rapture. And let's see what these guys have to say about it. Again, there's a tiger. All right, now wait a minute. Yeah, this is by Jazz Wee, J-A-Z-W-E-E-H, July 18, 2018. So this is even before the COVID started. Okay, the password, mRNA to the nucleus versus cut and splice CRISPR. Can you say zombie apocalypse? The videos below are not ads. They are on top. Watch the videos for more info. CRISPR gene drive carries the fake DNA onto the children. So if if they try to embed this in your DNA, the claim is that this added DNA will be passed on to your children. Can you say zombie apocalypse preparedness, right? It seems that FEMA and CDC, Centers for Disease Control, can. Are these serious governmental websites developing a sense of humor? I seriously doubt it. Or are they getting us ready for something they know is coming, at least for those who are awake and looking for it, at least for those who have the Spirit of God and are being warned and warning others. What better way to kill off 6.5 billion, see the Georgia Guidestones, menacing humans than to script their DNA and add a little saber-toothed tiger. To mix the VIA, not sure what that means, a strain of bacterial that carries the code straight to your unsuspecting DNA strand? Can you say replicate? That's what CRISPR technology does. 
if you were, say, 25 to 75% man-eating tiger, would you become a cannibal? Yeah, and it will change you. There's no doubt it will change you. So if I were being spoon-fed the DNA of a saber-toothed tiger, would I begin to crave raw meat? How about raw human meat? Guess what, folks? With CRISPR, those man, I mean mad scientists, now have the technology. I should say those ignorant scientists who believe the people that they are working for would only use the tech for benevolent purposes. Right. Yes. Obviously. (laughs) Right? So, let's see. It takes us to another website here. The CDC. Okay. Uh, uh, I guess that site, that page now is obsolete. So, uh, it won't take us there. So, let me see if I can get back to this page that uh, I got bumped off of. Looks like I'm going to have to start all over because it bumped me completely off the stream there. Okay. So let me see if I can get back on track here. Let me go back to the Dana Ashley article because it had other links. In fact, in fact I think it has this link here, the jazwee.com. And... But let me go to this other link here, if it works. The Abomination of Desolation? No, that one doesn't work. Neither do the other two on top. (laughs) Okay. So why are they there? All right. So so let me go back. There's another link that I put in the chat room here. Revolutionary advances in gene splicing are a sign of the end times by Jeremy James. Several times in the Word of God, we are told that man is made in the image and likeness of God. We are only told that of Adam kind, not the other kinds of man. Quote, And God said, Let us make Adam, Adam kind, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing, it creepeth upon the earth. So God created Adam kind in his own image. In the image, Selim, of God created he him, that being the image being a, uh, a neuter noun. That's that's why the, uh, it's actually a neuter noun, not a male noun, but the, the translators weren't paying attention to things like that. Male and female created he them. Okay? Male and female he created he them, speaking of Adam kind, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. By the way, there are only two genders. <laughs> there are not 39 and a half as they teach in college these days. And now even in high school and grade school they teach. There's 39, oh, maybe... Maybe it's 33,000. <laughs> one, one gender for every denomination. Quote from Genesis 5, 1 through 3. This is the book of the generations of Adam. 
not all species, just the Adamites, Adam kind. In the day that God created Adam kind, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam or Adam kind. In the day when they were created, and created as bara, meaning something brand new. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, Adam the man now, and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, Selim, and called his name Seth. Genesis 5, 1 through 3. So we, Adam kind, are made in the image and likeness of the, the proper blueprints of living beings in the spirit. And that blueprint was sent down to earth to be inhabited by the Adamic soul. Okay? So this was Yahweh's way of creating the species. Now, somehow the fallen angels figured out a way to circumvent this or duplicate it, copy it, so that they could incarnate without the permission of Yahweh. That's what happened in Genesis 6, and certainly happened prior to Genesis 3, because one of these fallen ones was able to seduce Eve. The book of Enoch says one of those fallen angels seduced Eve, and that angel's name was Gadrel. Another quote. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he Adam kind, Genesis 9.6. The actual construction of man in the womb is described in Psalm 139. From many passages in scripture, we know that man is seen by God as a living individual from the moment of conception. See our paper, The Curse of Abortion in Ireland, for an examination of these passages. Now, actually, it probably would be good to read Psalm 139 at this point, because that's often uh, cited as as a creation psalm, and uh, or a uh, a repetition of Genesis 1 and 2. So let me see if I can find that and analyze that language. Okay. Psalm 139 with with Strong's Concordance Numbers. Psalm 139, verse 1, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, O Yahweh, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Yahweh, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Yeah, it's too difficult for us, right? Because there's no way science, with all of its technical technological devices, can duplicate what Yahweh has done. All they can do is tamper with what he has created. They can tamper with it all right but they cannot duplicate anything he has ever done. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there as well. Verse 9. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, because he sees everything. For thou hast possessed my reins, that I think uh, it translates literally kidneys, but uh, figuratively it is whatever organs exist in our bodies. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Yeah, there's no way any scientist can duplicate. Yeah, for example, the human eye. There's no way even Dr. Frankenstein can replicate the human eye and make it work. (laughs) Right? There's no way. And even Dr. Frankenstein had to pluck eyes out of a, uh, uh, what, a semi-dead, semi-living body. You know, he had to uh, get those bodies before they totally decomposed to create his monster. Okay, well, guess what, folks? The monster is being made right inside of us with mRNA technology, CRISPR technology. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance uh, continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So it's really obvious that uh, that David was uh, having a profound vision here and trying to put it into words. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O Elohim. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. And blunt men here is ish. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Yahweh, that hate thee. And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? Yeah, we sure are. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O Elohim. Actually, it is here. It is El. O-L, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way to everlasting. I should print this out and put it on my refrigerator door. That's a great psalm. Okay, so getting back to this article, gene splicing as a sign of the end time. 
From many passages in Scripture, we know that man is seen by God as a living individual from the moment of conception. This means that as soon as the male and female gametes combine, when the sperm fertilizes the ovum, a being has come into existence in the image and likeness of God. The entire structure of this being, including the composition of each individual cell, has been determined in its totality by our Creator, I would have to agree with that. Since the very start of mankind, and of course a lot of this stuff does apply to other races, but Adam and Adamkind are one race, and the other races were created differently, do not have the same DNA as us, as all of us should know. When God created Adam from the dust of the ground, this remarkable process has been repeated many billions of times, and in every case, the human being so formed had the image and likeness of God. No, only the Adamic species had the image and likeness of Elohim. This was true whether the child was conceived through in vitro fertilization or proved to have serious, even life-threatening genetic abnormalities. Well, yeah, not all all cases of uh, knitting the, the child, the fetus together, have all the proper nutrients, so some of them come out, uh, you know, defective. That happens all the time as well. But I don't know, in vitro fertilization, whether that, that type of child has the breath of life in it? That's a good question. <laughs> that would be a major study, I think. Anyway, the question... The question we wish to address in this paper would have seemed absurd even 50 years ago, but advances in technology have made it central to our understanding of Bible prophecy. The question is this, to what extent can the human genome be modified before the individual is no longer in the image and likeness of God? Right, that especially applies to Adam kind. Of course, that's what all of this tomfoolery with genetics is all about, is to make us non-human or non-Adamic. To understand the ramifications of this question, we need to appreciate the type and extent of the modifications that modern scientific scientific techniques can now make to the human genome. In effect, we are asking, to what extent can the human genome be re-engineered before it ceases to be human? Even though we cannot answer this question, we must weigh its implications very carefully, since we know in principle that if too many changes are made to the human genome, then it must eventually cease to be human. Well, it'll probably die. And that's what's happening to most of the vaccinated, most of the jabbies. They're dying, and part of the process is to kill off Adam kind and to uh, mutate the rest and have fun experimenting, you know, like Dr. Moreau on the island of Dr. Moreau, where he uh, he spliced genes of various different animals with human genes, and what that's what they're doing. But in this case, it's way more sophisticated because they can deliver the transformative biochemistry via an injection. It may be human-like in all respects, as science may determine, 
but not truly human in God's eyes, or in our eyes either. This would mean it was no longer made or constituted in the image of likeness of God. That is correct. We know that Satan wants to destroy God's work. Until recently, most Bible scholars have assumed, quite reasonably, that he intends to do this primarily through disease, famine, and war, and of course, uh, uh, temptation and getting us to sin. But genetic engineering now offers yet another way to destroy mankind, namely to re-engineer the human genome so that the offspring produced from it are no longer human in a biblical sense, probably in any sense. This may explain why salvation is impossible for anyone who accepts the mark of the beast, Revelation 13.16. There is no doubt that by taking the mark, they have passed the point of no return. Quoting Revelation 14.11, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Although there are a lot of people trying to develop herbal remedies to overcome the effects of the shot, so far, especially those unfortunate enough uh, to get a non-placebo, who, to get the real deal, those people will get sick very quickly and die sooner or later. So I don't know if there's anything that, any kind of drug that can reverse this process, or even herb that can reverse this process. We'll see. It is not inconceivable that the mark will entail a genetic modification which is so far-reaching in its effects that those who accept it are no longer truly human. Yes, and many people have reported that they lost their God sense, their ability to connect with God after they've taken the jab. Next heading, the, the technology. Now let's look at the technology and see just how powerful it has become. The structure of DNA was first identified in 1953, but it was not possible at that time to change it in any predetermined way. At best, scientists could bombard it with radiation and cause random damage to its chromosomes. Working with plant cells, for example, they could cultivate the irradiated varieties and see which, if any, expressed a useful mutation. Red grapefruit was produced in this way, plus certain varieties of barley. That's interesting. I didn't know that red grapefruit was produced by irradiating the cells. Very interesting. In such cases, no information was added to the genome. Okay, well, what uh, what caused the gra- grapefruit to turn red? <laughs> if an interesting change came about, it was due entirely to a loss of information. Okay, very good. Where a specific gene got damaged and could no longer function normally. So white grapefruit is normal and red gro- grapefruit isn't, lacking some genetic material. Very interesting. This, in turn, might affect the height of the plant at maturity, for example, or the color of its flowers. But unless some new information is added to the genome, no real modification is achieved. And this is also an argument against evolution, that no 
genetic mutation has ever resulted in a positive result. Although pink grapefruit (laughs) is not adding information, it's subtracting information. No added information has ever produced uh, some uh, positive results in the genome. Continuing, DNA consists of two long intertwining strings of genetic information, the so-called double helix. The information is encoded in an unbroken sequence of just four biological components known as nitrogen bases, adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine, usually designated by their initials, A, G, C, and T. These are the quote-unquote letters in which all genetic information is encoded. So it's like a computer code, uh, which uh, the most simple computer code is 0 and 1, and you can express just about any number, word, value with a 0 and a 1. If you have a big enough computer, it can express even the most complex number, by a series of ones and zeros, because, in fact, that's how the computer actually does the calculations, in ones and zeros. So, uh, you know, we tend to do it, you know, uh, mentally, you know, nine times six equals 53, or 54, rather. (laughs) All right. And, uh, et cetera. Okay. But uh, this is a four-letter sequence. And it's these letters that make up a fragment of DNA. DNA consists of two long intertwining strands, okay? And their initials are A, G, C, and T, the letters in which all genetic information is encoded. So, and they can manipulate this, folks. They can manipulate it with their sophisticated technology these days. Big step number one. Restriction enzymes. The first big step in genetic engineering came in the 1970s when scientists discovered that proteins called restriction enzymes could cut a sequence of DNA out of a genome. These enzymes were extracted from certain types of bacteria and aimed at a specific sequence of DNA in, say, the genome of a mouse. This made a fundamental aberration in the genome that would not otherwise occur in nature. The offspring of the mouse could then be monitored over several generations to see what impact the alteration had on their metabolism, behavior, immune system, etc. A great deal of trial and error over many months, even years, might be needed to produce even one outcome of value for research purposes. Yeah, it's a shot in the dark. So let me start the, this big step number one over to see how this was done. The first big step in genetic engineering came in the 1970s when scientists discovered that proteins called restriction enzymes could cut a sequence of DNA out of a genome. These enzymes were extracted from certain types of bacteria and aimed at a specific sequence of DNA and say the genome of a mouse. So by aimed at, I'm assuming the author means 
put into the genome of a mouse or added to. So subtracted from one area of whatever, whatever living entity, and then injected or aimed at the genome of a mouse. So this could be, obviously in the early days, they couldn't use a, a hypodermic needle to inject this material directly into a strand of DNA. I think the way it was done was when a sequence of DNA is separating in order to create a new version of itself, then you can inject this material close to the DNA. So when it recombines, the recombinant DNA, when it recombines, it would take this floating strand of DNA that you injected nearby and place it in the DNA strand as opposed to the proper DNA strand. Let's continue. Big step number two, PCR. The second big step came in 1983 with the discovery of a remarkably effective technique for replicating strains of DNA. Known as the polymerase chain reaction, PCR, it generated thousands of copies of the sequence of DNA that was being used for research purposes. This was uh, Kelly, oh, what was his name? Uh, he received the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Academy Award. Yeah, the, uh, the Award for Science in, uh, in this area. And uh, his name escapes me at the moment. I think his first name was Kelly. And anyway, but he stated himself that this technique is only for reproducing these strands and not for diagnosis of any disease. And yet the uh, COVID monstrosity is using it to as a, a pseudo, that is, fake way of diagnosing COVID. It does no such thing. All right. Uh, let's, uh, Carrie, Carrie Mullis, that was his name, Carrie. I think he spelled it K-A-R-Y. Carrie Mullis was the inventor of this technique. It is this technique that allows forensic laboratories to generate enough DNA from a tiny fragment found at a crime scene to facilitate chemical analysis. It was also a great boon for geneticists since it allowed several members of a research team to work simultaneously on the same strand of DNA and to share their findings. In other words, the PCR technique, not test, the PCR technique allows scientists to reproduce the DNA strands that they need for study and millions of copies of it. So it, it's good for study, but it's not good for diagnosis. No way, shape, or form is it good for diagnosis. Yet the medical establishment has led people to believe that the PCR technique is actually a test, which it is not. Big step number three, stem cell research. Human embryonic stem cells were first extracted and kept viable by researchers in Wisconsin in 1998. 
In a developing embryo, stem cells are able to differentiate into specialized cells of various kinds. This is how a child's body or embryo develops in the womb, with stem cells dividing and specializing at each step in the developmental process to pr produce each of the internal organs, along with blood vessels, nerve tissue, bone marrow, and so forth. This explains why the blood contained in the umbilical cord after birth is extremely rich in stem cells. The ability to induce such cells to differentiate or specialize in a particular way under laboratory conditions is fast becoming an immensely powerful research tool and I'm sure immensely profitable as well. <laughs> okay, so here is a an illustration of how this process works. Making embryonic stem cells derived from eggs fertilized at an in vitro fertilization clinic, then donated for research purposes. Did they create a chimera? <laughs> Were these eggs brought to maturation? Anyway, one, DNA from adult cell injected into fertilized human egg with no nucleus. With no nucleus. So they're showing the uh, cell and the needle of a hypodermic injecting a substance into the egg. Two, egg begins dividing, forming a mass of cells. Three, after five days, it forms a blastocyst, a hollow embryonic ball of cells. Four, stem cells are harvested, embryo destroyed. Okay, uh, looks like a very simple process. It's not fertilizing the egg. It is simply causing it to divide, and it's causing these stem cells to be created. But since there's, since there's no fertilization, no baby can be created. Okay, that's what it seems like it's saying here. All right, let's continue. Adult stem cells differentiate to regenerate only the organ or tissue in which they are located. Harvested from bone marrow, another rich source of stem cells. They have been used in the treatment of a number of chronic health conditions, including leukemia and cirrhosis of the liver. Human stem cell research has given rise to much controversy since it enables the creation of chimeras, there we go, namely organisms comprising both human and animal cells. Oh boy. For this reason, Many countries have banned the production of embryo embryonic stem, stem cell lines. And uh, so who knows how many laboratories are in the world producing these chimeras. Step number four, mapping the human genome. The next big step came when the human genome project with the Human Genome Project, which was completed and published in 2003. This mapped the entire DNA, the fixed sequence of nitrogen bases, CGAT, 
in the human genome and enabled scientists to adopt a much more strategic approach to their research. For example, they could now make better use of the findings published by other scientists working on the same part of the genome. Big step number five, CRISPR. Again, that's an acronym, C-R-I-S-P-R. CRISPR was uh, was a kid to step number one in that it involved the discovery of an enzyme that could cut out strands of DNA. But in this instance, with staggering precision, it was also akin to step number two in that it offered a cheap, effective, and highly efficient way of doing something that would otherwise consume huge quantities of research time and resources. On top of this, it has greatly amplified the advantages gained from steps three and four by enabling scientists to target any part of the human genome and share their findings with a worldwide audience. So we have a million Dr. Frankensteins doing this type of research. CRISPR also did something so remarkable that scientists could hardly believe it at first. In addition to cutting a selected strand of DNA with great precision, it could also insert a selected replacement strand into the gap. In effect, it worked as a cut-and-paste tool for editing or re-engineering the genome of any organism. For example, if a scientist wanted to get a better understanding of the function performed by each of the sequences in the fragment of DNA shown below, which is about uh, I don't know a hundred a hundred characters long, but there's certain select sections or segments of the DNA that are highlighted, and these apparently can be moved and spliced to replace one with another. So as from the fragment of DNA shown below, he could literally move them around using CRISPR and insert the modified sequence into the reproductive cells of a mouse. If the alterations were viable, the resulting offspring would be a living expression of the modified genome. Wow. So how many beasts, <laughs> mice, would have to be experimented upon for something not chimerical to result? It's always going to be chimerical because it's not natural. Whether it's viable is another question. But for the most part, it's going to be a bad mutation. A bad mutation. And although they may develop a system, and I think, of course, the mRNA jab is designed not to create a better human being. It's designed to either kill us or create a chimera that can be used to kill us, right? So there's no good coming of this whatsoever. No good. And I highly doubt that they can actually use this technology to improve our genome. Highly doubt this entirely. So, but this is where it's at. So this is a very good article. Very easy to understand. Good stuff, folks. Really good stuff. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break and play uh, play some music 
while I take the break here, let's see what we have. Uh, okay. Here's some rare bird for y'all. Come on, open. Open the file, computer. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. The file is empty. <laughs> okay. So I have to go back. And what in the world happened to it? Okay. All right. So here we go. Be right back.
States was written to define the limits of the federal government. The government is our servant, not our master. But we are living in an age in which the federal government is trying to become our master. For this reason, the Founding Fathers proposed the Second Amendment, which reads as follows. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Don't let them take the guns away. Welcome back, Christian Israel, part two of today's show on the gene splicing technology that exists today and how it's being used to alter our genome and to destroy us. So this is from page six of the article from Zephaniah.eu. Gene splicing as a sign of the end times. And on page six, it talks about, the heading is, How CRISPR Emerged. CRISPR was preceded, or preceded by two other gene editing tools, both of which were slow, cumbersome, and expensive to use. The first was, you know, but these mad scientists never give up, do they? Uh, but uh, they seem to always have funding for this kind of stuff. The first was discovered in 2002, a category of enzyme known as a zinc finger nuclease, which could delete and replace specific genes. So they could replace specific genes one at a time. This was followed closely by another restriction enzyme technique called TALEN, T-A-L-E-N. In addition to their cost and complexity, both techniques required an extensive familiarity with the genome of the organism under study. This meant in practice that useful findings from these techniques came mainly from research on traditional subjects such as mice, fruit flies, zebrafish, and a nematode called C. elegans. A notable step in the development of CRISPR was taken around 2005 when research staff at a yogurt producer in Wisconsin were trying to find culture bacteria that were more resistant to viruses. Entire cultures of the bacteria that were needed to convert milk into yogurt could be lost if attacked by a new strain of bacteria-eating virus. So they devised a simple experiment where they infected a major variety of milk-fermenting bacteria with two strains of killer virus. The viruses killed most of the bacteria, but a few survived. Since all of the bacteria had the same DNA sequence at the outset, 
and since their descendants were also resistant, the survivors must have successfully altered their DNA in some manner, or they had a uh, they had a, a resistant gene in the first place. When the research staff examined the genetic structure of the resistant strain, they discovered that it had incorporated fragments of DNA from the killer virus in its own DNA. They conducted further experiments and found that when these fragments of viral DNA, or whatever it is that was cast in there, it could have been a uh, you know, not a virus, but uh, some other kind of germ, Viral DNA were removed from the bacterial DNA. The bacteria lost their resistance. Okay, so maybe this is how immunity is developed. And it's possible that now that you have this technique, you can go on to fill in the genome and make mutations. So that's ultimately what happened. An amazing, naturally occurring microbiological process. The research staff had not invented anything new. Rather, they had stumbled upon an amazing microbiological process, the full implications of which would not be recognized until 2012, or thereabouts, when other research teams chanced upon it. The bacteria, like most living organisms, had an immune system. When the killer viruses attacked, or whatever organisms they were, pathogens they were, a few of the bacteria managed to sever part of the viral DNA and incorporate it into their own DNA. As a result, every individual bacterium in a culture grown exclusively from these survivors would now possess a picture or mugshot of the enemy. This would enable them in future to recognize and neutralize a killer virus before it had time to destroy the culture. The word CRISPR is an acronym from the descriptive term Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. Okay, let me repeat that. Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. This refers to the DNA fragment that the yogurt bacteria clipped from the invading virus and added to its own DNA. The fragments are generally found in clusters, are regularly spaced, are not very long, and read the same forwards and backwards, just like a palindrome. Multicelled organisms cannot pass on genetic information to their offspring in this way because the cells associated with reproduction are not affected by adaptations to their immune system. However, a single-celled organism can pass along pass it along since the DNA that fights the viruses is the same DNA that is passed on in cell division, the method of replication in a single-cell organism. Further research has shown that the DNA sequence includes, next to the mugshot gallery, a set of genes that encode for virus-cutting enzymes. The moment they come across a virus matching a mugshot, they slice through its DNA. So apparently, thus killing the bacteria or the invader. Okay, so splicing genes together with an illustration here. Employing genetic engineering, researchers can take certain genes from a source organism 
and put them into another plant or animal. An example of genetic engineering. One, scientists take Bacillus thuringiensis, a commonly occurring soil bacteria. Two, and use enzymes to remove from it the Bt gene, which produces a protein that turns toxic in the digestive tract of caterpillars. Three, the Bt gene is then incorporated into the chromosomes of cotton and corn, killing caterpillars that feed upon these plants. Okay, and then what else do they kill? (laughs) They probably kill the good flora in your gut, is probably what they do. Thus, this uh, genetic engineering can't be good. The cutting ability of certain enzymes was the basis for big step number one. However, a research team at the University of California, Berkeley, realized that if the cutting function of a, in a CRISPR enzyme was guided by a, the fragment encoded in the mugshot, then it was in principle programmable. If one replaced the mugshot DNA with a different fragment of DNA, any fragment from any source, then the CRISPR mechanism would search until it found a match and cut it out. Using this technique, fragments of DNA can be clipped from one species and added to the DNA of another. Whether the source or target is a plant, fish, mammal, reptile, bird, insect, fungus, bacterium, or virus. How about a Nephilim, (laughs) right? How about a Nephilim? So another illustration here. One, scientists create a genetic sequence called a guide RNA that matches the piece of DNA they want to modify. Two, this sequence is added to a cell along with a protein called Cas9, which acts like a pair of scissors that cut DNA. Three, the guide RNA homes in on the target DNA sequence, and Cas9 cuts it out. Once their job is complete, the guide RNA and Cas9 leave the scene. Four, now another piece of DNA is swapped into the place of the old DNA, and enzymes repair the cuts. Voila! You've, got, you've edited the DNA. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Let's continue. Results obtained from CRISPR. In just a few years, CRISPR has been used to reverse mutations that cause blindness, stop certain cancers from multiplying, make cells impervious to AIDS virus, render wheat immune to the fungus known as powdery mildew, slow the rate at which tomatoes ripen, alter the DNA of yeast to produce ethanol from plant matter, and correct the genetic defects that cause sickle cell anemia, muscular dystrophy, beta thalassemia, hemophilia, and cystic fibrosis. With equipment costing just a few thousand dollars, CRISPR enables a competent college graduate to obtain results that would formerly have needed a team of the most qualified and most experienced scientists and to do so in a fraction of the time. 
well, these are supposedly good good results or benefits. What about all of the mistakes that happen? Continuing, a nonprofit company called AdGene, A-D-D-G-E-N-E, was established more than a decade ago to store and distribute tens of thousands of ready-made genetic sequences, including nearly every RNA guide used to edit genes with CRISPR. Every time a lab makes a useful discovery, it donates a copy to AdGene and thereby makes it available for use by the worldwide community of geneticists. Wow. So they're, they're monkeying with our genetic code constantly. CRISPR and genetically modified mice. Certain animals, such as mice, rats, and pigs, are susceptible to complex diseases that affect the brain and immune system. They get cancer, atherosclerosis, hypertension, diabetes, and other chronic illnesses. This makes them unusually good subjects for the study of related diseases in humans. Mice are especially useful since they reproduce every three weeks. Is that, is that how often they reproduce? No wonder they can infest a, a house in no time. Allowing researchers to study several generations at the same time. When scientists originally began editing DNA with CRISPR, they had to inject both the relevant enzyme, researchers most often use the Cas9 cutting enzyme from the common throat bacterium Streptococcus pyogenes, and the RNA probe required to guide it. A lab at MIT greatly reduced the work involved by implanting the enzyme into the embryo of a mouse and making it part of its permanent genome. Every time a cell divided, the relevant enzyme would be carried forward. Since the enzyme for cutting DNA was now present in every cell, scientists had only to add the RNA guide. In fact, several guides could be inserted at once to produce multiple mutations in the genes they wish to study. Ain't that nice? This easy-to-edit mouse is just one example of the way genetic research has accelerated. The mouse would formerly have taken 10 years or more for a dedicated team of scientists to develop. It now took one person just four months. Thus, CRISPR is even speeding up the process by which new tools are being developed. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. So another diagram here. Tools of molecular biology. Each restriction enzyme cuts DNA at a specific sequence of nucleotides. And there's an illustration of that. And again, it's the four letters of the genome, C, T, A, and G. Restriction enzyme cuts the DNA into fragments. So the fragments can be recombined by either just floating alternative DNA around the, the cells before they recombine, or it sounds here like they're able to actually target the, the cut DNA and provide the mutation DNA in its place. CRISPR and cancer research. The genetic structure of the cancer infecting an individual is unique to that person. 
Even in the same type of cancer, no two cases are genetically identical. This makes treatment difficult. However, the huge fall in the cost of sequencing a genome, mapping its genetic code, could make it possible to develop a treatment specific to each individual. A suitable CRISPR enzyme and tailored RNA guide could be designed and injected into the tumor that would cut apart its DNA. But what about the actual cause of the cancer, you know, which is probably glyphosate and other toxins? How's it going to compensate for all these toxins? Next heading, CRISPR and transgenic pigs. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Trans, transhuman pigs. Scientists have long believed that humans might accept organ transplants from pigs because of certain common biochemical characteristics. However, pig DNA has a large number of retroviruses that are harmful to humans. One leading researcher identified a genetic sequence common to these viruses and used CRISPR to cut them out, 62 in all. He was then able to mix pig cells with human cells without infecting the latter, at least not with any known diseases, right? Okay. Yeah, the fact that the human being started grunting and snorting <laughs> and trying to dig up roots with its nose, that doesn't matter. And here's a picture of a, a genetically engineered monkey. Genetically modified rhesus macaque. The DNA fragment that enables certain jellyfish to fluoresce was spliced into the rhesus genome in 2002, causing it to glow under ultraviolet light. Please note that this was achieved before CRISPR was discovered. CRISPR gene drives. Almost all genetic changes in nature are spread throughout a population by sexual reproduction where half of the genes in the genome of each immediate descendant come from the father and half from the mother. This means that there is always a 50-50 chance that a genetic change would not be passed on to the, genetic, the, the next generation. However, scientists have found certain rare, naturally occurring genes that manage to get themselves passed on with a much higher success rate. Because of their ability to propel themselves forward from one generation to the next, they are known as gene drives. These are being used alongside CRISPR to ensure that CRISPR-generated mutations are passed rapidly through such a target population. Before long, every member has the modified gene, even if the population is widely dispersed, such as a species of mosquito or a tropical tree frog. Folks, it's really obvious that this CRISPR technology has the potential of creating numerous chimeras. People have spotted these chimeras not far from such laboratories, right? Especially military laboratories that are doing such experiments, such as chupacabras which appears to have been a genetically modified dog, but with very sharp claws <laughs> and a very skinny body. Uh, I guess it's a chihuahua, 
chupacabras. Next heading here, human germ modification. Folks, this is scary. This is scary stuff, what these mad scientists are able to do. In 2015, the widely respected scientific journals Nature and Science refused to publish the results of an experiment in China in which non-viable human embryos were genetically modified using CRISPR to edit the gene that encodes the beta-globin protein. Mutations in this gene cause the body to produce an abnormal form of hemoglobin, a condition known as beta-thalassemia. The editors were concerned that experiments of this kind could change the human genome. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, what about all these other studies we've been discussing? They could change the human genome too. While it was seemingly not possible in the Chinese experiment, it is widely believed that even tightly controlled research could lead, perhaps in a short span of time, to experiments that inadvertently altered the germline. In a related development in 2016, the UK government approved a clinical trial to inhibit the transmission of mitochondrial diseases in humans. The DNA in our mitochondria, the energy-producing organelle in our cells, comes only from our mother. It is completely separate from the DNA that encodes for every other function in our body. The trial was approved on the ground that mitochondrial DNA is located outside the nucleus of the cell, where our principal DNA is stored. Thus, scientists are convinced that changes made to mitochondrial DNA, which will be passed on to future generations, would not affect our nuclear DNA. The two germ lines, they allege, would remain completely independent. Oh, really? (laughs) Can you guarantee that? I wonder. So, here's a a couple of photos of a genetically modified micropig. Growth hormone genes in a small breed of pigs were modified by Chinese scientists to make it even smaller. This too was achieved without CRISPR. These micropigs will not exceed 60 pounds at maturity, unlike teacup pigs, which can grow to 100 pounds or more. Okay, here, little piggy. (laughs) Scientists with ethical concerns. Are there such scientists left in the world? The scientific community has long been concerned that genetic engineering could lead in time to catastrophic results. Indeed, a group of leading geneticists held a convention at S. Asilomar, California, in 1975 to assess the risks and agree a research protocol to ensure that a disaster could never occur. It is chastening to think that these men and women were sounding the alarm at a time when gene editing technology was still very primitive by today's standards. For some reason, not many scientists today are expressing similar concerns. Why? Because they're being paid big bucks by Big Pharma. With a few notable exceptions, such as Professor Jennifer Dodna, who helped develop the CRISPR system, they don't seem to appreciate the risks posed by this highly advanced technology. Dodna was a principal author of a letter published in Science, March 20, 2015, 
which calls for a temporary moratorium on gene editing research. Along with several others, she also organized an international conference on safety and ethics in the field of genetics at the National Academy of Sciences in Washington, D.C. Well, here, here, more of this type of ethical consideration needs to be employed, discussed, and implemented. In a revealing interview with the New Yorker magazine, November 16, 2015, she cited an anecdote that encapsulates the concerns of many scientists. Quote, I have never said this in public, but will show you where my psyche is. I had a dream recently, and in my dream, a leading scientific researcher had come to see me and said, quote, I have somebody very powerful with me who I want you to meet, and I want you to explain to him how this technology functions, unquote. So I said, sure, who is it? <laughs> It was Anthony Fauci. <laughs> no, the article says Adolf Hitler. But as Anthony Fauci, the real monster. I was really horrified. But I went into a room and there was Hitler. Or there was Fauci. He had a pig face. And I could only see him from behind, and he was take, taking notes. And he said, quote, I want to understand the uses and implications of this amazing technology. I woke up in a cold sweat, and that dream has haunted me from that day. You must be way terrified if it's Anthony Fauci. On the other hand, some leading geneticists argue that the risks are exaggerated and that an undesirable outcome can always be reversed. Unless, of course, it gets out of the lab. One is quoting a saying, quote, In my lab, we make mutations all the time, and then we change them back. Really? What if you miss one? Here's a couple of fish, one very large, one very small, but apparently the same species. Looks like a speckled trout. A transgenic animal is one that carries a foreign gene that has been deliberately inserted into its genome. Genes that regulate growth were taken from the ocean pout, P-O-U-T, and Chinook salmon, and inserted into the genome of the Atlantic salmon, causing it to grow more quickly and to attain a greater size at maturity. One year after the eggs hatch, salmon that have been genetically modified reach an average of 1,340 grams compared to 663 grams for the ordinary Atlantic salmon. The FDA approved the GM version for human consumption in 2015. Wow. Wow. Let's continue. Biohacking. The new technology is so simple, relatively speaking, that even self-taught amateurs <laughs> are attempting to construct gene editing experiments. So we have unpaid Frankensteins running around. It is also relatively inexpensive compared to other branches of scientific research. An interested party with a graduate level knowledge of biology could buy much of the equipment needed for a few thousand dollars. Companies like AdGene would supply the necessary RNA guides, enzymes, and ancillary chemicals for a few hundred dollars. Even if his early trials were not successful, 
the cost of conducting repeat trials would be nominal, while Internet archives would provide access to relevant scientific papers and probably videos of the techniques happening, folks. Wow. Wow, let's all become gene splicers. Such people, sometimes called biohackers, already exist. Thus far, they have only used CRISPR to create novelty items such as a rainbow-colored bacteria or a new strain of yeast to alter the flavor of beer. Don't we have enough varieties of beer already? However, the trivial nature of these changes should not blind one to the fact that a complete amateur can permanently change the genetic structure of a living organism and obtain the results that could never arise in nature. Well, wasn't Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, a complete amateur? Such people sometimes, oh, never mind. Defenders would argue that this is done all the time by plant and animal breeders who select for certain traits and cross-mate suitable candidates to produce a new genome. This argument is also used to defend the use of GMOs, genetically modified organisms, most often associated with food products. However, this argument is completely false. The scope for mixing genes in nature is highly restricted. Even though a great deal of variation can often be achieved despite these restrictions, breeders are unable to step beyond these natural boundaries. Yeah, this is this is a really... Serious stuff, folks. Genetic engineering via gene editing dispenses completely with these restrictions. The CRISPR technique allows one to select any fragment of DNA from any source and insert it into the target cell. For example, the gene that codes for bioluminescence in certain species of fish could be inserted into the DNA of a tomato to make it glow in the dark. Nothing like that can occur in nature. Or how about a lightning bug? Put the DNA of a lightning bug in, in into the eyes of a zombie. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Conclusion. We have given enough information to show just how powerfully this technology has become, or how powerful, rather, its implications for the future of humanity are profound and also frightening. Our study of Bible prophecy is certain to be deficient if it fails to take this rapidly changing science into account. We will begin our assessment with a few short observations. Firstly, general awareness of this technology is abysmal. The mainstream media are doing very little to inform the public about it. To the extent that it receives any attention, the emphasis is generally on its potential benefits in the field of medicine or food production. Given that recent discoveries in bioengineering, notably CRISPR and stem cell manipulation, are among the most remarkable in the history of science, the dearth, that is the absence of serious discussion about their impact on society, is simply inexplicable. No, it isn't. We, we know that they have to do this in secret because their intentions are not good. Secondly, the scientific community is surprisingly sanguine about these revolutionary advances. Uh, sanguine meaning bloody. 
Those who know enough to understand the serious risks involved seem reluctant to speak openly about them, very likely because of the adverse effect that this would have on their careers. Maybe the blood runs from their faces when they try to talk about it. A surprisingly high proportion of academics and post-grads in many fields, including evolution, paleontology, astronomy, and climatology, are obliged to keep their doubts to themselves if they want to retain their positions, publish papers, attend symposiums, or receive funding for further research. Well, just like the rest of medicine, right? Especially vaccines. You better shut up or you'll lose your job. You better comply or we'll cut your paycheck. Thirdly, even where researchers are prepared to speak openly about the risks, they significantly understate their variety and extent. Virtually nobody wants to talk about biohacking or the possibility that cross-species experimental research may already be well underway in secret laboratories, not just in China or North Korea, but right in the heart of Europe and the USA. How about Long Island? Fourthly, we have no independent third-party account of how this technology is being developed and used. The main players provide most, if not all, of the information that we have about their activities. Because of this, obvious questions are not being asked. For example, when Big Step Number 1 was taken, the world community of scientists working in this field then knew that certain enzymes had the ability to cut open DNA. This should be immediately Oh, this should immediately have spurred further research to determine if other enzymes could achieve even better results. After all, big step number five, CRISPR, comprised the identification of just two elements, a better gene-cutting enzyme and the RNA guide mechanism that led the enzyme to the right fragment of code. Nothing was invented. Nothing was designed. No new theory or paradigm was required. The two elements were already present in nature, waiting to be found. We are asked to believe that it took the best brains in the business about 40 years to find this new, more precise gene-cutting enzyme. On the contrary, it is far more likely that this technology has been exploited in clandestine labs for decades and that a multiplicity of experimental chimeras and hybrids have already been produced. Amen to that. When Yahweh reveals himself to us, Adam kind and everybody else, he does so through his word. He refers again and again to the indisputable fact that all things were made by him. He alone is the creator. He made not just the heavens and the earth, but all that, all that in them is, Exodus 20.11 and Acts 4.24. From this, we know that he expects all living beings and organisms to retain the form that he gave them. Amen to that. This interpretation is consistent with the term after their kind, which appears 12 times in the first seven chapters of Genesis. Every creature at creation had a kind or category that was unique to itself, and that includes Adam kind and the other races. This would suggest that it possessed a basic genotype beyond which it never strayed, and throughout history it never did, no matter how often it interbred with other members of the same species. 
Each genotype, in turn, has an immense range of expression. We can see this in the species that man has interbred more than any other, namely the dog. Despite the incredible variations in size, shape, coat, temperament, and behavior, they are all members of just one species or kind, Canis. Again, this is more proof that evolution doesn't exist. Because no matter how much experimentation they do with dogs, they still wind up with dogs, but of different uh, subtypes, subcategories. It won't happen... However, no matter how many attempts are made to interbreed a dog with a cat, another kind, it won't happen because the DNA is too different. But if they can selectively target portions of the genome of a dog with cat genes, who knows what could result. Bioengineering has changed all of that. With CRISPR, it is possible to mate a cat, Felis Sylvestris, with a dog by taking genes extracted from the genome of one and adding them to the genome of the other. The resulting creature may still be regarded as a dog with cat genes or a cat with dog genes, but will clearly no longer qualify as either a cat or a dog if too many genes are transferred. If male and female versions of such a creature were bred and released into the wild, it would be a completely new species capable of producing viable progeny, possibly, just like any other species. I think that may just be an assumption, but it may be true. This is not biblical. Yeah, this is bad science. This is Frankenstein science. It is not what God had ordained, and it is counter to all that he established for man in his word. Yahweh gave Adam one task before he rebelled to name the animals. Each species came before him, and Adam gave that species a name. Throughout the Bible, we find instances where a person's name is an expression of his essential nature. So when Adam was given the task of naming the animals, he was being asked to appraise the characteristics or essential nature of each species. Thereafter, the name would remain unchanged, just like its essential nature. Through this exercise, God was teaching Adam that each of the species that he had created had a fixed nature. We also know from his word that everything that God created was good, a perfect expression of his holy will. It is impossible to improve on his work, and that is for sure. No scientist has ever been able to improve on his work. I don't care how tasty the orange that that he transmogrified into a new orange. Through its pursuit of gene editing, science has gone down a very dangerous road It has rejected the natural order established by God and brazenly arrogated to itself the right to design new species or to make salient orientation or alterations, rather, to existing ones. And there's a drawing of a dog with a stick of dynamite in its mouth, three sticks of dynamite with the fuse lit, and the caption is good intentions. Most contend that they are doing this for the good of mankind, but they have no way of knowing what's good for mankind. Furthermore, they have only an infantile understanding of genetics and microbiology, a field so complex that even the simplest processes can have astonishing ramifications. Virtually all genetic research over the past 40 years 
has been of the let's try it and see variety. Yeah, let's let's tinker with with God's creation and see what kind of monsters we can create or breed. Make a change somewhere in the genetic code and then see how the organism develops. Unless the effects of a specific change have already been analyzed under laboratory conditions, it is impossible to predict what will happen. Even processes that are well understood can easily throw up unexpected results under certain circumstances. No human activity is more likely to give rise to unintended consequences than genetic engineering. Amen to that. Since everything that God made in the beginning was perfectly designed to support and nourish humanity, any departure from that design is bound to be deleterious to our health in some way or other. This is why genetically modified food, such as GMO soya, is harmful to human health. Our digestive system comprises hundreds of enzymes and biochemical constituents, which must all work together harmoniously in accordance with their God-given design to support good health. Since a GMO, by definition, has departed from that design, it clearly no longer meets this high standard. As GMO consumption increases, the burden in our, on our digestive system will become greater. This will result in due course in digestive disorders, which may not be easy to diagnose but which will adversely affect the health and well-being of the entire nation. Amen. The enormous rat shown above. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it takes up a whole spade, a wide, a wide one at that. Shown above was not genetically engineered, but developed naturally, presumably from unusually high levels of growth hormone. With genetic engineering, all of the rats in our cities could grow to that size or even larger. It only takes a qualified but disgruntled lab technician to apply CRISPR to this end and release a few dozen GM versions into a sewer. Within a few years, the city, or as many cities as the technician decided to target, would have an acute vermin infestation and a serious health problem. Sounds like something I saw in the X-Files. If the technician also turned off the genes that curb aggression, these highly prolific creatures could render large parts of our cities uninhabitable. Yeah, I guess I wonder if this is how the Nephilim <laughs> were created here on our planet. The scope for malicious use of this technology is almost endless. For example, CRISPR makes it possible to splice a potent flu, flu virus such as avian flu, H5N1, onto a common throat virus like Streptococcus, which is spread widely throughout the human population and is highly contagious. There are several thousand people on Earth today with the know-how and the facilities to do this. The resulting pandemic would kill hundreds of millions across the world. Yeah, and Fauci is one of them. A A biblical warning. The word of God has warned us not to meddle in such matters. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled, as Deuteronomy 22.9. And thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind, 
Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Leviticus 19.19 The book of Revelation refers to pandemics and famines of such severity that most of the population of the world will be wiped out. These could be the result, at least in part, of genetically engineered microorganisms, or rats. With the advent of CRISPR, the technology needed to produce such organisms is now widely available. Well, there are many signs that we are rapidly approaching the end time. Yeah, genetic Armageddon. The power of CRISPR to defile the human genome and engineer potentially lethal life forms must surely be among the most disturbing. Jeremy James, Ireland, 9 December 2016. And this was before COVID, folks. Wow. We have no idea what COVID and the mRNA technology is doing to us. Although we have a clue, we know that they're injecting self-assembling antenna arrays, but are they also creating microorganisms that kill us? It's apparent that they are. And that is the intent of the COVID organisms they have created to kill us and not to benefit mankind or Adamkind at all. So, folks, I have to say that this article should be read by everybody. This is an excellent summation of how genetic engineering is going to cause a genetic Armageddon, and it has already started. The last thing you should do is take the shot. You should avoid genetically engineered food or genetically modified food because it's not going to sit well in your stomach, right? It's going to give you some sort of disease or at least make you very uncomfortable and you won't know why. So this article is absolutely must-reading for everybody. I will post this article in the uh, when, when I upload the recording for this show so that uh, everybody can access this. Uh, I did quite a lot of searching on the Internet for several hours, actually, before today's show to find something that was this good, <laughs> right? To find something that was this good. So, folks, uh, I, can't, I can't recommend this article highly enough. So, we're living... We're living in the end times, for sure. And it's, there's no doubt that the Nephilim in the person of the Jews and their ilk are doing all they possibly can to disrupt our genetic programming and thus make us their slaves, if not kill us. So that was the intention of Dr. Moreau on the island of Dr. Moreau to be to breed animals that could be uh, used to work, to do work in certain areas, right? To breed a slave race, <laughs> to breed a slave race. So the idea of slavery, uh, of course, we know that slavery still exists in the world today. It's primarily debt slavery. But the Muslims 
employ slaves constantly, and uh, the Jews in Israel enslave kidnapped women from you know, from the Slavic countries and employ them as prostitutes in the brothels of Israel. And of course, they're you know, kidnapping children and using them as slaves as well. So slavery is not dead, folks. It's alive and well in Judaism and Islam. It's alive and well in Judaism and Islam. But the real culprits are the Jews who have created all of this technology to alter our genomes and make us disease-ridden slaves at best. And if they can't enslave us with their genome-altering technology, then they will kill us, and that's fine with them as well, as long as they have slaves that they can put to work for their beast system, for their Jew world order and beast system. So, folks, we have to be aware of these things. We have to avoid genetic modification and genetic engineering at all costs. It can't be good. No positive result can come from any of this. And we know who's financing it all. The beast of Revelation, the mystery Babylon, the empire of merchants that is in control of the banking system by which they can create all the money they need to finance all of this genetic engineering. They can't go broke. However, the Federal Reserve note, which has been their reserve currency, is being inflated out of sight and may soon lose its value as an international currency, at which point Mystery Babylon will have to come up with a new currency. We know they have the CBDC, the Central Bank Digital Currency, all lined up to take the place of the Federal Reserve note. But how well this will work in terms of paying their Frankenstein doctors to keep doing the stuff that they do, the genetic engineering. Plus, they also rake in the coin from selling all these drugs. Big Pharma is probably the most profitable enterprise on the planet next to warmongering. And actually, both of those come after banking because the bankers can simply create all the money they need to operate. But they usually do it to finance war and genetic engineering and big pharma, etc., etc. But then we have, of course, the chemical industry, which produces all of these pesticides, such as glyphosate, which poison people directly so that they become customers of big pharma, right? You can't get away from it. They're attacking us from all sides. So we Israelites have to fight back the best we can by going natural in our diets, staying away and opting out of big pharma and big banking as much as we possibly can, 
and find alternative methods of financing our lives. You know, I guess the uh, credit unions are a good idea. And then, you know, keeping some gold and silver on hand if you have any and could afford it. Because the time will come when paper currency will, will, you know, they're trying to phase out paper currency anyway. But finding someone who will accept gold or silver might be difficult, but I'd say not in in the countryside. In the countryside, you have people that still have common sense and will recognize gold and silver for what they're worth, right? And accept them in exchange for goods and services. But they're trying to create a scenario where only their currencies can be used for goods and services. That is their ultimate goal, and that's why they have the CBDC currency ready to go. So, But I don't think they can monopolize all the currencies on the planet. Just some, maybe most, but not all of them, and certainly certain types of uh, crypto coin, Bitcoin, will uh, not be under their control. So there's always an alternative, and for and of course, because we're t- what we're talking about is a communist dictatorship, And even under communist dictatorships, there's always been a black market. Why? Because none of these crooks can be trusted to follow follow the law, even if it's an evil law. They will always try to skim off the top before turning in the actual amount that they raked, they raked in. So there's always going to be a black market, and it might be the Jews themselves who are the number one participants in this black market. So, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition, and be ready. These changes are already here. They're already here. So don't even think that you're going to be able to avoid all of this. But the more you opt out of this beast system, the better. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Bye-bye.